Oh my gosh. Popecast, what's happening? It's your host, Ian Pope, the host of the Popecast. You already know the drill. You already know what it is. Man, oh man. This is exciting. I got headphones on today. Uh, so I'm just listening to the sound of my own voice. You can tell as I'm talking right now, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just making sounds with my mouth that are then transferred into my ears. And I'm like, oh, listen, that's it. That's the voice. That's the one they gave me. So we're doing it again today. It's the Popecast. Hot damn. Last month was the biggest month of all time on the Popecast. I think the algorithm got all out of whack and boosted us somehow because uh, big things big things popping here on the little old Popecast. Couldn't do it without you. Hi there, all of you. Um, you know, there's tens of you, but you are spread out unusually far across this great and beautiful land we call the Los Estados Unidos and even a little bit overseas there. So, um, must not be a lot going on in the UK, but we welcome you. I do, Ian Pope, the host of the Popecast. As always, the Popecast recorded in one take with no editing, for better or worse. Take it or leave it, baby. Please take it. <laughs> All right. We got a lot to talk about today, and we're going to start it off right in the beginning. Um, something that occurred to me last night as I was watching basketball that I don't know how it's always slipped past me before, but we're just letting the Boston Celtics get away with pronouncing their name with an S. What are we doing? It quite clearly says Celtics, right? They're the Boston Celtics. The language is Celtic of the Irish people, right? Is this all wrong? I think it's right. The Boston Celtics, and if anybody says Celtics, you tell them Ian Pope says, what are you doing? You're doing it wrong. So there's only one choice to be made here, Boston Celtics. Um, that was big, right? What a hell of a start to the show right there. Um, get it right, green basketball team from Boston. It, we just get to the United States here. We appropriate the name Celtics, and we think um, we can just pronounce it Celtics. So Changes should be made right there, right? Okay, we're on fire, but I'm going to tell you one more. This is the biggest thing I wanted to come on and say today. Christmas. We all know, oh, wow, that was crazy, right? As I said the word Christmas, the clock read 225. All right, that's not as big of a deal as I thought. I thought it was... Um, uh, 1225 thing all right my mind is playing tricks on me but december 25th 1225 is christmas we all know this to be true we all know this to be a fact we all know the month of january to be one of the biggest wastes of the month of the whole year right it's when winter time particularly here in the midwest i'm located in des moines iowa a french town um a french town in the heartland of the midwest for those of you who are not familiar um Des Moines, more commonly pronounced Des Moines. And uh, we're a strange people here in Des Moines. I'll tell you that. We have an inferiority complex. We think that we're oftentimes just forgotten uh, because we are. And um, the fact of the matter is, is that that's not a bad thing. Being forgotten is um, really a blessing. And we're some people here in this town are, are um, hell-bent on growing. They think that we should... We have a big secret here. We should share it with everybody. We should just become, I don't know what we're trying to become. We're all, we're in the shadow of so many bigger cities that surround us. To the north, we have the Minneapolis. The Minneapolis is known for um, being in Minnesota. And to the east, uh, we have, well, nothing much. But to the northeast is Chicago. 
Uh, most people have heard of Chicago um, in Illinois, and um, it's a shithole. But for some reason, we admire Chicago. Um, don't know why. To the south, we have a nice town of Kansas City, um, which is the only thing that most Iowans know about Missouri. And it's a great place because it's south and uh, therefore a little bit warmer. I bet you I could pull up the temperature. I'm not going to do it because I'm not traveling, but I bet you that they are, you know, 10 degrees warmer than us here today, which every little bit counts as we get into the month of December. To the west, um, we have the only thing that Nebraska has going for it, as far as anybody knows, the city of Omaha. Um, you know, what do you say about Omaha? They're out to the west of us. So we are the little jewel right in the middle. We are at the crossing of 80, 35, the two biggest interstates in America, I think. That's what they tell us here in in Iowa in elementary school anyway. Who knows which way is up anymore? Who knows what the facts are? But we uh, are just fine the way we are. And if you ask me, possibly Des Moines has peaked. But the... Um, you know, if you have a good thing, you need to keep it close to you. You don't need to tell everybody about your little secret. People come here slowly and learn about us gradually, and that's fine. Um, but the fact of the matter is is that no town is that much different from that from another town these days, thanks to the wonderful thing we know as the Internet, which is bringing my voice to you today. All in all, you know, I'm pro-Internet, I guess. But um, it really has homogenized things. And so Des Moines has hidden gems as do every other town but we are you know whatever nobody cares i'm talking about des moines more than anybody cares to hear about des moines because i am from des moines and um that is my curse and my gift so but, oh yeah what i was saying is january <laughs> i got lost totally lost track of the topic the topic is this christmas december 25th january complete and utter waste what are we doing not moving Christmas back to January 25th? I'm going to pause a minute to let that sink in. Move Christmas to January 25th. The anticipation of Christmas, which frankly we all can admit goes a little too quickly. But there's a build to this thing. And those of us who are you know fans of the holidays, which... I think is the only decision these days. When I was younger, I used to poo-poo Christmas, um, you know, because of my own circumstance. You know, I thought, you know, split household, you got to go to too many Christmases, the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of just fun to be a curmudgeon at a younger age. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that my perspective has changed. I think that Christmas is one of the best things going. And... The uh, we should have more of it, you know. What are we doing? We don't need to rush this thing right out through December. I guess the uh, fourth quarter sales numbers for some companies would resist the change, right? Ever, but that stuff never makes any sense to me. Why not just have great first quarter sales numbers? So, start off January with a bang, a month that otherwise probably languishes for a lot of companies. Slow month, we get to have more Christmas music longer seasons, greater anticipation, fill the void that is January with Christmas cheer, right? We already have New Year's, finish off the year, um, one of the most overrated holidays, New Year's, and uh, Christmas. Now, I'm just going to, can I just officially declare the change here? I think I have that power. 
I'm just going to say Christmas is now January 25th and the month of January is now awesome, right? So spread the word. Um, I would say, you know, tell your local congressman, but we don't need to get them involved in this. They should be the last ones to know, I guess. So we're just going to do it. We, the people say Christmas is January 25th. I haven't really heard a good reason why this is a bad idea yet. And I have spent several minutes trying to think of one and I'm not able to do so. I guess baby Jesus, you know, um, is now born on January 25th, right? We thought that the that the December thing is kind of made up anyway, right? I mean, I'm sure it is. As you get older, you find out most things are just made up. So, Merry Christmas. It's going to be uh, a little over a month from now, guys. So get excited. Um, you know, those Christmas trees, a lot of you guys leave them up year-round anyway or leave them up a long time anyway. Nothing wrong with that. And... Uh, 1041 is the local Christmas music radio station here. We've been playing that in the car since a little bit before Thanksgiving, if I'm being honest. And I feel no shame in that. The only kind of music, possibly the best genre of music, genre, let me say that if you're fancy, the best genre of music that there is out there. Um, pound for pound, better than, uh, better than that hip hop, better than that jazz, better than that rock and roll. Um, it's the best of both worlds because uh, Christmas music can uh, be a little bit of all these things, right? So, ho, ho, ho on the mistletoe, toe, toe. Now, this is the point of the show where I started scrambling because I really didn't write down anything. I just had uh, a couple things I was going to blabber about. On my Christmas list this year is a new chair for my desk. I've been sitting in a pop-up chair, one of those horribly uncomfortable chairs that you use on the patio that you pack in the back of the car for tailgating and then it kind of pops out. And then that if you're in a bad one, like I am right now, the front of the chair cuts in under the bottom of your legs and cuts off the circulation. So when you sit here for a while, you stand up and you kind of wobble down back down to your knees because of lack of, lack of uh, blood flow. So Hoping that Santa comes through with me this year, comes through for me this year, and hicks me up with a new desk chair. I've piled like a big blanket on the chair and um, to kind of increase the padding. So when we moved from our old house, my old desk chair was deemed like too gross to come or something. It Somehow it ended up on the curb, and it was a fine little desk chair, you know, standard issue desk chair that I'd had for 10 years. So it had seen some shit, I suppose, but better than this pop-out chair that I've now been dealing with for over a year. Sometimes I just, I just like sit on the ground or I like kneel or I stand in front of my desk and it doesn't seem like the best way to do things, right? Let's see. What else do we got? Oh man, I've got a couple of uh, shows coming up. My last two shows, I picked up, what happened last week? Oh yeah, I did a show in Pleasantville, Iowa Pleasantville at the uh, Pleasantville Memorial Hall down there. Picked up a show with a couple of funny guys, Josh Alton and Jared Dog. Jared Dog is a seasoned road comic who has a bar comedy show that he kind of manages and books out across the Midwest. He's been in the game for so long. And then my good buddy, Josh Alton, who I love. He's um, He does a lot of dad material and a lot of family material. And it was his first show back in quite a while. And he was the headliner of the show. 
and the guy that put me on the show. And um, he just did a bang-up job getting back out there, kicking the rust off his act. And he's got a lot of stuff booking up in the next um, months ahead as he kind of ramps back up into things after laying low for COVID. But Josh put me on the show. Dog is a seasoned bar killer who didn't know me at all. And um, so it was his show that he he was in charge of. So uh, I talked to Josh. Josh was like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get you on the show. I'm just going to talk to Jared dog first. And so Jared dog never heard of me, uh, was kind enough to give me 10 minutes. And he did the smart thing. The smart thing that you do in that case is you don't risk the whole show on the back. Typically you put the least experienced, the new guy up kind of first, the host will do some time to kind of set the tone for the show. And then there'll be, you know, maybe a guest spot and a feature spot, some shorter spots that will build up before Obviously, the headliner goes last and then, um, you know, essentially goes worst to first to simplify things. Jerdog, being the wily old boy he is, said, I don't know this kid. I'm going to go up first and do 25 minutes. And he did. And he killed for 25 minutes. His act is so finely polished to this kind of like drinking small town crowd, lots of banter back and forth. Um, it's a great set and it was really fun to watch him work. And then he said, Ian, you go up and do 10 minutes after that. And he couched the whole thing since he'd never seen my act. He said, Hey, I met this kid at the local Casey's begging for, uh, me to buy him a slice of pizza. And I said, uh, nobody rides free. It's either ass cash or grass or whatever that saying is. And so it, now I'm going to have him do some jokes. He essentially said, I don't vouch for this kid at all, but I'm going to put him on stage right now for better or worse. And going up after a guy like Jared Dog, who's got such a such a great set for that environment and such a great set in general, super experienced dude, been doing it for 20 years, like I said. Um, I went up after him, and I did 10 minutes. And on the heels of the previous weekend at Teehees, which I would rate you know, probably like a 9 out of 10. It was awesome. It was a good set. Um, and this one, uh, upon second listen was, was, um, was, was okay. It was, you know, fine in the moment up on stage. All I could think was, holy fuck, I'm dying up here. I'm dying up here. There was little laughs for every joke. Basically it was a spread out room. So it was like a weird round table room, not, an ideal setup for comedy. There was no spotlight on the stage. These are all excuses. The bottom line is, is that both Jared dog and Josh, um, got bigger laughs than me for sure. And, um, so upon second listen, when I went back and I watched the video, um, I did, I did. Okay. I did fine. Considering the fact that I was sandwiched between, um, two guys that have a ton of experience Josh had like most of his family there. He had a guy, a family that drove in from several hours away. So he was essentially doing stand up to a family reunion. Um, and Jared dog, I've said it, said what I need to say about him. He's awesome. So anyway, last week was funny this weekend. I've got 30 minutes at the Carlisle VFW. Big things, big things, big things coming. My first ever half an hour. So I'm just taking a break from putting that all together right now um, to talk to you guys. So what I remembered last week, a lesson that I've learned multiple times, this is maybe a little inside comedy for those of you that are not so interested in comedy. What I've learned is 
like, for example, playing the comedy club the weekend prior. It's important to have a tight, concise set at that type of environment. The structure implies professionalism, implies attentiveness from the crowd, implies trust me, I know what I'm doing. And the structure and the rhythm is very important. It seems like more so in those environments versus if you go into a, a uh, comedy club environment and you're more loosey goosey, then they can lose they can lose faith in you and the whole rhythm of the thing can kind of fall apart. But when you get into a, an environment like I was in at the Pleasantville uh, Memorial Hall last weekend, a lesson that I should have should have learned that I knew I've learned this lesson before you need to do more of your crowd work set in this environment you need to they don't want to hear structured written jokes prepared material is less interesting to them you got to surprise them with the prepared material and slip it in and then um, the moments where you talk to the crowd you've got maybe a setup question for the crowd that leads into a joke that's the sort of stuff you have to go with and um, I didn't do that I didn't make the audible from my structured set because I was really proud of how I worked so hard on that set and got it really good for teehees that I just basically trotted it out there again for the Carlisle or sorry for the uh, Pleasantville show. So it was a good reminder before I go back into another bar style environment this weekend to do a half an hour at the Carlisle VFW that you got to stick and move with the written material and you have to um, rely. You have to, you know, trot out that crowd work stuff. This is, of course, not for everybody. This is lessons that I think that I've learned for myself and I may revisit them in several years and be like, oh, shit, that was all wrong. But right now, that is my approach, and it makes putting together a set list, per se, for this Carlisle show difficult because, first of all, I'm stressing about doing 30 minutes, and so I would like it to be structured. Anyway, that's all I got to say. I'll let you guys know how that goes. Thanks for listening. It's been 18 minutes. It's been plenty of time. This is the Popecast. Your good buddy, Ian Pope. Thanks you for listening. As always, talk to you next time. Goodbye.